Okay, so now, now that we know who we are, let's talk about how we should live in this world. Okay? Uh, are we all absolutely clear about our, our identity by now? Right? I think we should. Okay? And, and, and so, how do we live? Now that I am, I don't belong to this world, I am absolutely 100% just like Jesus, you know, son of God, living in this world. Okay, the answer is simple. We live like how Jesus lived on this earth. That would be the solution, isn't it? Because, you know, we are like Him. We are not of this world just like Him. So we will live just like Jesus. Okay, so how, how did Jesus live on this, uh, in this world? Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Verse 5. 5 to verse 8. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Right? That's how the Bible, uh, this verse begins. Our attitude, how we live our life should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. For sure. Because we are also sons of God. Living in this world, sent into this world. Okay, how do you live? Verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Okay? So those are the attitude that Jesus had when he lived on this earth, when he became man. And so the first thing it talks about is this, that he being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Okay, Jesus, he knew absolutely who he was and who he is. He is the son of God. He know that. He know he's equal with God. And it goes on to say he did not grasp on to that position. You know, grasp on to that position. Uh, you know, Jesus knew that when he lay aside his glory, you know, that glory that belongs to God alone. When he laid aside that glory and came in the form of man and to be the son of man, 100% man, he doesn't lose uh, his status, you know, who, who he was. He is the son of God. It's not determined by what he did, how he looked like. You know, it's by birth. He's the only begotten Son of God. That's it. Right? When He became man, it doesn't mean that He's lesser God or, 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 or now. He's not. He's, he's no longer. But just at, in those times, He came in absolutely as a man, fully man. But He knows who He is. You know, it, it doesn't depend on the position that He holds now. You know, that's why He doesn't need to keep grasping, you know, onto that. Right. In fact, people who know 
who they are, they, they don't need to grasp on that position, you know, that, that their, their status and so on, because they know who they are on the inside, right? And uh, uh, we can see that in the example in John 13, the contrast between those who know who they are and those who do not know who they are. John 13, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Right, we know the story very well that at that particular time before, in fact, it was the Last Supper, you know, before Jesus was about to be crucified and they were having that meal together. And uh, when they entered into that house, there was no servant there to wash their feet. And could you imagine there are 12 disciples of Jesus and Jesus is the master, he's the Lord, and they call him Lord. And none of the disciples would volunteer to wash Jesus' feet. Never mind about washing one another's feet. You know, none of them would not volunteer to wash uh, uh, Jesus' feet. The, the simple reason is this. Because just before this, they were still fighting about who is the greater. Who should sit next to Jesus on his right and on his left. You see, so their, their mindset was not renewed then. They are still depending very much on their status, their position in life, you know, what they do to determine who they are. And so now they refuse to wash one another's feet because that is the job of the lowest form of, of servant. The servant who can't do anything else. Wash feet. If you are good in cooking, you are in the kitchen, when you can't do anything else, you know, you wash feet. Okay, so, so that was the lowest form of, of job. So none of the disciples would volunteer because they identified their identity with the task they perform, with the, the, the status, you know, that they have in life, the external thing. And that's why they, none of them volunteered. And Jesus, you know, let's look at it here uh, in verse uh, 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. So He got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing and wrapped a towel around His waist. And after that, He poured water in the basin and began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So you can see, the scripture is so clear. You know, the reason why Jesus washed the disciples' feet was because he knew. He knew who he is. He knew, he, he knew who, where he came from, where he's going. And, and the Father has given all things under his power. He knew. So his identity is not determined by what he does because he knew who he is. So he can perform the meanest of job, the lowest of job, you know, because uh, he knew who he is. And he came, he came as a servant, okay? He came as a servant, right? So it's very important that uh, uh, we do not base our self-worth uh, up, uh, on our tasks, the tasks that we do on the external things, but we know that we are absolutely one with Jesus, okay? So we found our identity in God. Our identity is found in Jesus, is found in God. Whatever is true of Jesus is true of us. 
Jesus is accepted. Jesus has power and authority and everything. You know, whatever is true of Jesus is true of us because we identify with Him. With Him. Okay? Not with our task, not with the status in life, not with any other external thing, but because we're one with Him. Right? So people who, who do not know themselves, who they are, just like the disciples, they'll try and grasp, you know, on, uh, hold on to, to their position. But uh, if you know who you are, you know, it's okay. You know, you can do the meanest of tasks. It doesn't really matter. Okay. Uh, and then this, uh, the second thing, going back to Philippians, how did Jesus live his life on earth? The first thing we mentioned, he, he did not hold on, did not grasp on to his position. The second thing we learn is he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Okay, taking the very nature of a servant. The fact that the Bible emphasizes the nature of a servant, it tells us something. It tells us there are people who do the work of a servant, but they don't have the nature of a servant. They do it because they have to. They do it because they are on their way up. They do it with a purpose. They do it with a motive. They do it, you know, because they want to climb up the ladder. So now they do anything for you. Because they want to climb up the ladder to, to gain a position or a status in life. Their thinking is this. You know, once I get up there, you know, I've arrived. Now I'm somebody. Now you serve me. In the meantime, they're willing. You know, you, you think they're so good. You think, oh, this guy is fantastic. He'd do anything. He works. You know, he, 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 he works overtime. He doesn't complain, everything. By the time he arrived at his goal, if he doesn't has, have, if he's not a real servant in nature, then he say, I'm arrived. You see, I'm somebody. Now you do. Now you do. So he becomes a tyrant, you know, in, in, in the way he leads uh, the, the company. But Jesus came. He did not just come to do the work of a servant, but he came, you know, in nature. In nature, he came as a servant. Okay, so it's not what he does, but who he is, what he is. Okay, servant. So that's why Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of the Father and to finish it. His whole life, he did not live for himself. He doesn't have an agenda of his own. Those who are not true servants, they have an agenda. The person that I described just now, they have an agenda. His agenda is, I want to get up there. I want to get up there. That's my agenda. Okay, so he put up with it now. Because he has an agenda. But Jesus, he doesn't have any agenda of his own. He's a true servant by nature. He came. He said, my meat is to do the the will of the Father. He lives his whole life to do, you know, just to do the will of the Father. And, and that's, that's what God wants us to do. 
right? To be His servant, having a nature of a servant, not just doing the work of a servant. Okay, so His motivation is to serve, and that's what Jesus said in Matthew 20. Let's look at it in Matthew 20. Verse 25. 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, so you can see the the leadership style of Jesus is so much different to the leadership style of the rulers in this world. But in recent time, we see a shift. You know, we see a shift even in the, in the world. They begin to talk about servant leadership. Right? You know, in, in time past, it used to be if you're a leader, you're somebody, you exercise your authority, you know, and, and you run. An organization that way. But in recent years, there's a shift. You know, even in a secular world, they talk about servant Leadership, servant leadership. So Jesus, he said he came, you know, to serve and not to be served. In fact, he said, if you want to be great, serve. Serve as a slave. Right? And that's so, so different to, to what uh, the concept of this work. You know, we are somebody, so we don't do certain things. Right? That is the work of a servant. That's a work of a, you know, so and so and so on. Okay, but, uh, uh, the attitude, the attitude should be in us, you know, in, in the kingdom of God. There are many times as leaders, we, we got to serve, we got to do the manual task, we got to wash the disciples' feet like Jesus, okay? And, and because it's in our nature. So when it's in your nature, you, you don't need to be called, right? You just see things because it's in your nature. You just do it. And, and, and you will be surprised uh, well, how much this is lacking in church. Many times people will do because you ask them, you tell them. But when you have the nature of a servant, that's how we should live on this earth just like Jesus. You just know. You just do it because you serve. You know, you, you don't need to be told. Right? Uh, maybe you need to be, be, be told the first time. But you don't need to be, you know, told again and again and again. But many times in church, you know, we, we just have to keep saying and saying something is wrong. Okay, so I want you to, to, to know your identity, your true identity, so that you can be a true servant of the Lord. Right? Okay, so Jesus himself talked about servanthood. You know, how a servant should serve. And uh, we better look at this passage in Luke 17. Because in that one whole passage uh, that Jesus mentioned, Luke 17, we can learn 
a lot about being a servant. 17 verse 7. Verse 7 to 10. Luke 17 verse 7. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in front of you, Come, uh, come along now and sit down to eat. Would he not rather say, Prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should you, uh, I should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Okay, so from this short passage about being a servant, uh, what did Jesus say about servanthood? You know, he says that a servant is a hardworking person, right? He plows. The field, he works so hard, uh, you know, his, uh, the whole day, right? So he's really hard working as a servant. And, uh, and also, his focus, you know, is on serving the master. You know, when he came back from the field, the master had something else for him to do. You know, that's the time he could have had a little bit of rest because he's been working so hard the whole day. You know, but uh, there are more demands on him, so he continued to serve without uh, any any murmuring. Continue to do all that is required for him, and then the the servant is accustomed to doing things out of obliga- uh, obligation and do it gladly. Okay, so these are the time that he should take a rest because he's been working whole day, but the master demand. Or call him, so he would do it. You know, he's obligated to do it, and then he do it with the right attitude. He do it gladly. Okay, and then uh, servants make themselves available. Okay, let's see uh, verse eight here. Would he not say, "Prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me"? Get yourself ready and wait on me. You know, make yourself available so that you can do what I instruct you to do. Right? So that is uh, servanthood. Because a lot of people say, well, when I'm free, then I will do it. Well, can you really make the time? Can you really make yourself available? Or is it really that you're not free? Absolutely, you can't change things. Okay, servanthood means that you're obligated. So you make yourself available, you know, so that you can, you can uh, do the task that your master instructs you to do, right? And then to, he has the best interest of those whom he serves. Remember, remember the master say, you know, you wait on me, you serve me. After that, then you eat. After we have eaten, then you eat. Okay, so he's the best interest on those whom he's serving. And then he doesn't expect to be thanked after he's done it, right? Because the master may not say thank you. He doesn't expect. So true servanthood serves because it's their nature. 
They wouldn't react like what we mentioned before, those who do not know themselves. They serve to get acceptance. They serve to get uh, 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 affirmation about who they are and, and so on. So when they don't get it, they're angry. They don't want to serve. You know, because they've been serving so hard and, and they don't get the praise, they don't get the thanks that, that they think they deserve. And, and, and so they, they get angry. You see, those are people who do not know themselves. But true servant, when we know who we are in Christ Jesus, we become true servant. We serve. That's our nature. You thank me, you don't thank me, it doesn't matter. We serve. You know, because that's our nature. Right. And then he listened carefully to instruction. He knows when he started, where he started, he knows where he ends. You know, that means, you know, he listens carefully everything that is instructed. And he obeys and he's accountable to the master. You know, the word of God says, after he has done everything. So he knew, I finished my job. You see? So he listened carefully and uh, he's accountable. So real servant, they are faithful to their master. You know, at the end of the day, he say, I'm, I'm worthy servant. I've only done what my duty, you know, what, what, what is demanded of me, of my duty. I'm, I'm worthy servant. Okay, so you can see the, the servant does not have ulterior motive. He doesn't have another agenda. He just faithfully serves the master. He's totally identified with the master. He belongs to the master. You know, he doesn't need to prove himself. He doesn't need to try and uh, uh, create a word of his own. You know, he's totally identified and happy, you know, by being uh, the servant to his master. So, as a follower, you know, if we have people who are on top of us, servanthood for follower is to honor our leaders and obey them. That's what servanthood is all about. When we are followers, we honor our leaders, we obey what they say. But if we are leaders, what does it mean to be a servant leader? It is to lay down our lives for the follower. It is to lay down our lives for the follower. If you are a leader, a servant leader, just like Jesus, you lay down your life. Okay, so whether you're in leadership, you're not in leadership, or you're in some sort of leadership, we are all servants of the Lord. Okay, we are all servants of the Lord. We, if we are under somebody, we honor them and we obey them, right? We make our, our, ourselves available to serve them. And uh, the leaders will lay down his life. You know what he does? Is, is for the follower. He's not doing it for himself. Okay, right. That's the second thing about Jesus when he was on this earth. He took on the nature of a servant. Right. Let's go back to Philippians and see the third thing about how Jesus lived, the attitude that he has. In verse 8, he said, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Okay? So the third thing as a servant is he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Being found 
in the appearance as a man. We talk about true humility. True humility is a right assessment of who you really are. That's true humility. And Jesus has a right assessment of who he is. Being found in appearance as a man. You know, in this weak, fragile, uh, fragile human body of his, he knew there's only one way to live. That is to totally depend on the Father. Remember just now we mentioned, if we acknowledge him as Lord, we will depend on him, rely on him. So Jesus has a true assessment of himself. In fact, of all men that has ever lived on this earth, Jesus was probably the most intelligent, right? Man, capable man that they ever lived. Being sinless, being the word became flesh. You know, he's the perfect man. If you want to put it this way. The son of man, the perfect human. And so he's, he's, he's more intelligent than any one of us. He's more capable than any one of us. But yet, with that intelligence and capability, he humbled himself. He became a servant. So tonight, as we look at ourselves, you know, let's have the attitude of Jesus. Let's humble ourselves, you know, because Jesus, the Son of Man, humble Himself. So when we humble ourselves, we understand our strength, we understand our weaknesses. So it totally depends. On the, for Him, on the Father, for us, on the Holy Spirit to help us, to live in us and through us. When we humble ourselves, we are able to grow. We are teachable. And for us, that means we can handle our mistakes, failure, and personal shortcoming. You know, some people, they fail and they have mistakes, but they just deny. They just argue. You see, that's not humble. You see, to be humble, you, 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 can, you can face your failure because you have a true assessment of yourself. You know, not an inflated one, not live in self-conceit, but, but you can handle it because you realize there is, there is a grace of God and you can depend and God, you know, is, 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 is depending on Him that you're able to rise, you're able to overcome all that, you know, that you're not yet at this moment able to live out your life. So when we are humble, whether we are given leadership or taken away from us, we remain servants because that's our nature, right? We continue to serve. 
So we serve not because we wanted the position, we wanted the title or anything. We serve because we are the best person to do the work. And that's why we serve. And if someone else is better than us, they can do the job better than us, and we are, you know, replaced. No problem, because we're servant. We still continue to serve in whatever capacity we are. You see, so whether you're in leadership position, whether you're in whatever position, a true servant, someone who truly humble himself, will just remain the same. You know, but you see people, if you take away their title, if you take away the position, now they say, well, none of my business. I'm no longer the cell leader. Or I'm no longer, you know, appointed for the job. So you're going to ask so-and-so. Now, instead of contributing, now we stay on the sideline because we think that, well, it's not our job. Okay, so so a, 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 a true servant who is humble, you know, he will continue to serve. Okay, he will continue to serve the leader. You know, whatever, whatever position is being placed. You know, whether he was a leader or now he's under somebody, it doesn't matter. Okay, he served in whichever position that is better for him to, to live out the life of Jesus. Right, and then to, the next thing about the Lord Jesus is that he was obedient. He was obedient. Obedience is based on trust. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. Verse 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Okay? He was a son. So, he trusted the father. You know, it's in that relationship, father-son relationship, he obeyed. And, uh, you know, you will obey when, when the trust is there. When the trust is there. When you don't trust, you don't want to obey. Okay, so obedience is based on trust. It's based on relationship. Obedience is learned. He learned obedience from what he suffered. So obedience is learned. In other words, in our nature, in this human nature, somehow there is something that's inside that will very often want to go against what we are told or what is instructed. You know, you tell a child, don't do it. You know, somehow they will look at you. The very thing you ask them not to do it, they will try and do that thing. Somehow it's in, in us. So Jesus, he learned obedience by what he suffered. Okay? So obedience, we need to learn obedience. And uh, it's a lifelong process. Okay, obedience is a lifelong process. Some of us, we feel that, well, now I'm old, you know, my status in life, my so-and-so, you know, so now we're in a position to just order people around. That's not so. 
Okay, so we're talking about being a true servant. You know, we it's, it's a lifelong process. We still have has a lot of things to learn in life. We still have a lot of things to learn from God and things that we need to change even at this age, right? You know, it, it never stops. It never stops until the, the, the perfect life of Jesus. You know, it, it's manifest. Then we don't need to learn anything. We have our right. Until then, you know, we it's a lifelong process. Okay, so Jesus' entire life was the life of the Father doing His work in Him. You can just write down the verse if you're taking note. John 4, 31. We will not read it. John 4, 31. Okay, obedience, the other thing about obedience is not based on understanding. It does not base on understanding. Because when you understand you will want to do it as well. So that no longer is obedience. Right? Obedience means we don't understand. But we trust the one who asked us to do it. He understood. Okay? So is it good enough for me that he understand what's going on, what is what I need, and what needed to be done, and so on. So I just obey. I don't understand. You know, Thank God, obedience doesn't depend on understanding. Right? Because sometimes we understand, it makes things harder and more difficult. Some people, they know too much. You know, so it's hard for them to obey because they think they know too much. Right? Okay. And then obedience is a recognition of authority. Is the recognition of authority. The centurion, Luke 7, verse 8. He said, you know, I have men under me. When I ask them to do this, do that, they will do it. But I have men who are over me. And I need to submit to them. You know, obedience is a recognition of authority. That is over us. Obedience is also your focus in life. What do you focus on? Hebrews 12, verse 2. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so Jesus was focused on what's ahead. He saw the joy that is ahead of of him. So that's why he obeyed. That's why he went through the suffering, went through the cross. So what you focus on is what you will do, what you will obey. So that's why the Bible says, let us focus on Jesus. Look at Him. Look at Him as our example. Look at you know, His obedience and, 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 and the result of His obedience so that we are encouraged, so that we too will realize that it's worth it. Even though we have to suffer, even though we have to forfeit certain things, but it's worth it because God is the rewarder 
of those who, you know, diligently seek Him. And, and, and when we obey Him, He will, you know, bring the best out of, out of uh, the situation. So we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and look at the outcome rather than look at the circumstances, the present situation, how hard it is, how painful, how difficult it is. We look ahead. We look at a goal. We look at a goal. Okay? Look at a goal. So some of us, we need to do that. Right? Because we keep looking at our present situation and the people around us and we, you know, the, the negative thing that is there. So we don't do anything. And you miss the goal. You see, if you fix your eyes on Jesus, fix your eyes on goal, on, the goal, on what Jesus said about the future, you will move towards that direction. Otherwise, you just stay where you are and, and never be able to break out. Right. Okay. And uh, it says that Jesus, in Philippians uh, 2 just now, he said he obeyed, uh, uh, he became obedient to death. So, obedience will cost you your self-life. It will cost you your self-life. Unless you are willing to deny Yourself, you will not obey because your self will, will rise, will suffer. And that's why Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Okay, it costs him his self-life. You want to live in obedience? That's the only way. Yourself, deny. Okay, and then something else about the death of Jesus. He said, even the death on a cross. Even uh, the death on a cross. It's more than just dying. It's more than just death. But death on a cross. What's the difference? You know, isn't it just about paying the price? Death on a cross is a different kind of death. It's a death that comes with shame. You know, comes with injustice. Jesus, the sinless Son of Man, was crucified. It's unjust. He was hanged there naked. Shame, ridicule. You know, that's what it means to die, you know, the death of the cross. And some of us, we are willing to die even painful death. We're willing to sacrifice. But when He touches on our pride, on saving our face, you know, all this thing, uh, on suffering unjustly, we find it difficult to take. You know, we demand justice, right? We want, you know, what is fair, what is just. So, so to, to die the death on, on a cross means we are willing to suffer even unjustly. We're going to take it. For the sake of God. For the sake of God's kingdom. Okay, so that is the life of a real servant. A real servant will not grasp on to the position. He has the nature of a servant. You know, he naturally 
serve in whatever position. He humbled himself. He was obedient even the death on the cross. So that was how Jesus lived. That was how the Son of Man, the Son of God, lived on this earth. And the Bible says this attitude, let this same attitude be upon you as it was in Jesus. And if we live on this earth, that's the only way we can live. There's no other way we can live. Only way. And that's the only way. You know, Jesus is a true assessment of, of himself. And he realized to live successfully on earth as the Son of Man is absolute obedience, submission, you know, to the Father. Okay, so he came in, a, in nature as a servant, not just in what he did. May this nature be in us. It got to be in us. Because when we know who we are, we are the Son of God, just like Jesus. We are the Son of Man. You know, it got to be in us. There's no other way you can live the live your true identity on in this world any other way. Okay, may the Lord help us. Let's just pray. Let's just pray and pray that God will pray that our eyes will truly be open, that we'll really grasp what God is trying to say to us tonight about how we should live. And so that we can truly live up the life of Jesus to the glory of His name. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for revealing to us that we are truly, absolutely one with you. You are in us. We are in you. And the Holy Spirit is in us. And we know, we know without a shadow of doubt who we are, that we are indeed the sons and daughters of the living God, and that we are sent forth by you, Lord Jesus, into this world. And that's the reason why we're here, to manifest, to show this, this world who the Father is, to show this world who you are, Lord Jesus, the Son of God. And uh, Lord, we pray that even tonight as we learn from your life how we should live our life on this earth, Father, we pray that each one of us here will indeed be true servants, servants in nature. Father, we, I pray that tonight that you impart, imprint this truth into our hearts, that we become true servants in nature. Oh God, that we will not grasp on the position, we will humble ourselves, we will be obedient, and we will be even obedient to the death on the cross. And Father, we pray that you will be glorified in our life and through our life by the way we live our life. We pray that Jesus, your life will shine forth from our life. In Jesus' name, amen.